Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. It is indeed time for parenting once again. Joanna Fortune uh, is with us as usual. Afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon, Sean. Right, here's your first question. We've always tried to allow our kids express their emotions freely and we find it helps them get over any issues quicker. We don't tell them to stop crying. We discuss why they're upset and try to resolve it or make them feel better, etc. However, my four-year-old is very expressive. She's going through what we're calling her angry phase because it seems that everything sets her off. The issue is how loudly she expresses that anger. It seems like she's shouting, screaming, roaring even growling every day, no matter what we're, where we're at, at home or in public. And it doesn't seem to be helping her release the frustration. Is there a way for us to help channel that anger differently? I think this is a beautiful question. I love the idea of, you know, encouraging kids to express their emotions freely. And and I just, I'm not clear, Sean, how that actually works in practice with a four-year-old and how that's currently being approached. Because when a parent says, you know, we discuss, when we discuss something, be really aware that words actually might fuel the flames of her anger and try to focus on doing the communication rather than discussing it. Like even just think yourself when you're in, and I'm sure it never happens to you, but when you're in the flight of anger and irritation and someone says, now, would you like to talk about that? Just picture the the kind of effect that has on you. So it might be better that you're looking at distraction and redirection, that you're looking at doing the communication. And practically what I mean by that is putting in very considered or selected play activities that will actually enable her to release that frustration, to be angry in a safe, contained way. I'm thinking of things like cotton ball, snowball fights, like everybody gets cotton balls, throws them at each other, which is a great way to release anger when you probably do feel like throwing things around, but doing it in a safe way. Tug of war is a great one as well, because you're getting that connection with a bit of distance. You have that push-pull effect going on in the tug of war, but you're not doing it in isolation. And you can do a gradual increase of the level of challenge in that by two hands on the scarf or whatever it is you have between you, then put one hand behind your back and then raise the thumb on the hand that's on it. So you can do it three times. Be very aware you're clearly much stronger than a four-year-old and at least two rounds out of three, the four-year-old should win, quote unquote. But when they win and that you are pulled over, they're pulled over to you, do it into a big tight squeezy hug. So you can make tug of war a really nice nurture-based activity within that as well. Simply playing chasing, getting outside and just playing chasing and running the anger off, stamping, keeping things like egg cartons or, you know, that bubble wrap stuff that things come in deliveries in and stamping on it and putting on music to just dance those anger feelings away. All of those would be really practical but playful ways that have therapeutic benefit to release the anger. I would, no matter what, increase the outdoor play, even if you're sitting there saying we do loads of it. You might have a child who needs loads plus 20%. Mm. So do a little bit more of that. And as always, ensure that the sensory play is is very rich because anger is not a phase. You know, when this parent is saying we're calling it her angry phase, anger is not a phase. It's a really important emotion. And there are times in all of our lives, be we children or adolescents or adults, when we really need to feel angry. So it's really good at the age of four to have somebody who can show you healthy ways to express your anger without demonizing the anger or seeking to minimize or dismiss it. 
simply containing it and putting a structure that allows her to be angry in a safe way. Yeah. Our six-year-old is a happy, bright, funny little, <clears throat> funny little girl who loves to be out and about. However, she's decided lately that she doesn't like Grandad, my wife's father. He has adored her since the day she was born, and they've always done things together, like planting flowers, going for a walk in the park, and sharing a slice of cake. They both think uh, we don't know about, but over the last three or four months, she won't engage with them at all. She says no to his requests for any time together. When we ask her why, she keeps saying, I just don't want to. We really can't understand what happened. And we don't want to make her do something she doesn't want to. But it's breaking his heart. We also rely on his help the odd time if one of us can't get home for school pickups, etc. So it's getting difficult. Grandad said there wasn't any issues that might have led to this. What can we do to help repair their bond? Oh, this is such a tricky one because I can hear that bit of we don't want to force her. But at the same time, we are trying to force her to tell us what the problem is. Mm. And I totally get that because something has changed and it may not be anything that granddad has done or said differently. It may be that the change is happening within your daughter. You know, she's becoming more self-aware, more self-conscious and something she previously loved be it granddad now, by the way, or anything else, can actually now feel embarrassing. And a lot of parents might relate to this, you know, Sean, if you think about a pet name that your child was very happy for you to call them. And once they start school or they're more aware of other kids around and what other kids are thinking of them, they may say to you, don't call me that anymore Mm -hmm. or don't call me that when we're outside of the house. So they begin to become more aware at this age. So it might be just something that maybe they sang a song together. Maybe they do fun voices. Maybe he has a pet name. Maybe, maybe. But something that was fine has changed for her and she's now uncomfortable or embarrassed by, perhaps. It may it may also be, though, you know, she just no longer wants to do the things they used to do together. So I would be switching the question from, you know, instead of asking, why don't you want to do this? I would say, what would you like to do with granddad? Because it may be that the interests have shifted and maybe going for the cake together, that little secret cake, or maybe going, you know, to playgrounds or whatever she's not into anymore. But would she like to go to the library with him? Would she like to take granddad bowling or to the cinema or to do something that she likes? And maybe just their time together needs to evolve and grow as she is. I I would say that there's a lot of maybes in my answer there. It could be and it might be. But don't force this. Gently reflect that you've seen something has changed, but you don't know what. And remind her it is a, it is always safe to tell you anything. And I don't want to infer anything untoward in mm. that. But because this is mom's dad, yeah. she may she may not be comfortable saying to mom, I don't want to hang out with your dad anymore because I don't like the the way his woolly jumper feels when he hugs me or I don't like this or I don't like that. She may not want to offend mom by talking about her dad in a negative way. So just ensure that there that she's reminded it's very safe to say anything and that you are there to listen to her and you're curious and what might help. Is there something practical that you could do? For example, we know you love GAA. What about if granddad comes and cheers on from the sidelines and start making it about her interests and what she likes to do? Yeah. Uh, okay. If they can turn it around that way. But uh, yeah, maybe it's something. That, yeah. I don't know. It, it could be something that gran- and granddad probably can't if it's something she's lost interest in, such as the gardening. 
I think that's what I was thinking, Sean, yeah. like it, and going for a walk to the park and sharing cake. It may be that she's like, no, that's boring for me now. I want to do other stuff, mm. but I don't want to offend granddad. So I'm just not going to go. Yeah. And she doesn't realize the effect. So I think breaking it down into things she loves to do and having granddad show an interest in that. But this is what happens as children grow and develop. They do, their relationships with us as parents, but also their extended attachment network, their grandparents, their carers. It changes and grows as well. Yeah, it might, but it, it might require a, a slightly difficult conversation with granddad as well. No doubt. And I can almost feel the hesitancy in the letter about I'd really yeah. like not to do that. I'd really like her just to go back to the way it was. But it may, and again, it's not about it being personal to granddad, I imagine, even though it can feel deeply, deeply personal. It may be that, you know, those things she loved doing with you when she was four and five, she no longer likes doing now she's six and heading to seven because she's growing up. But it, it's not to say, oh, well, that's a, that's our bit of relationship over. It's to say, OK, well, what could we do differently? Mm. How could we extend those interests and now have a new shared interest as she's coming into that middle childhood phase? Yeah. Texter says my daughter didn't like granddad's kisses anymore mm-hmm. due to his stubble. But she yep. was so small, it took a while for us to discover that, that it was just all he had to do was shave. It was simply stubble. So it could yeah, be something. It, it could as- be an aftershave. It could be a woolly jumper. It could be anything. Mm. But it's it's to just try and get to her to be able to feel safe enough to say, do you know what? That's what I don't like. My daughter has been told by her school that she has to stay back a year. It's because she's very young and probably needs another year in order to catch up on many aspects of her education to be in a par with the rest of her classmates. I've been aware of this for a while now and I'm happy with the decision. However, we told her just after school finished for the summer and she's devastated. She's crying all the, uh, all the time and very upset about not being in the same class as her friends. She also keeps asking me why she has to stay back and her friends don't. She is so upset, I'm tempted to go back to the school and see if she can progress with the rest of her class. She hasn't been herself in a few weeks since we told her. Really don't know what approach to take. Oh, I mean, this is one of those that I'm like, well, we can't wind back the clock. We are where we <laughs> I had are. I a feeling so, you were going to say this. You know, I'm kind of going, you know, I wish you had told her while she was still in school. Mm. Um, because you've known for a longer time, you've had the opportunity to process and adjust. Like, I'm really struck by, I've known for a while, I'm happy with the decision. And actually, she's just heard this. So this is new for her. And she has to have time to adjust it. And I'm also wondering if she might feel like she didn't get a chance to say goodbye or to have closure with her class because she said, "Okay, guys, bye. Have a great summer with the expectation she was coming back to them in September. And now she learns she isn't. So that closure piece isn't there. I don't know how old this little Mm. girl is there, you know, or what class she's in. But I do know, Sean, the decisions to keep a child back to repeat a a school year are not taken lightly by parents or educators. So if she really needs to do this and she's in primary school, this is absolutely the time to do that. I just think we have to give her permission to feel how she's feeling and not to, it's okay, feel good about it. It'll be fine. Please feel better about it because now I'm worrying. But we have to take responsibility for our own feelings and afford her the time and space to have hers. So she's allowed to feel sad, but it doesn't mean the decision should be changed. I would just hold space for her feelings, really lean into that 
acceptance and empathy. Of course, you're sad about this. You've just heard about it. And, you know, that's a big piece of information to adjust to. I know it's going to be hard not to see these kids again. Actually, though, now that I'm thinking about it, you'll probably still see them at playtime or Mm. in the yard or and to really. But don't go too quick to the old solution. You know, don't go too quick to silver lining her sad feelings. Let her have them. Meet her in that. And then together come to I wonder, are there times in the school day that you'll see each other again? I would also look to it might involve connecting with the school or the parents committee of the school just to see if you can connect with somebody who will be in her new class so that she can have that sense of I know somebody going in here and I'm not coming in completely oh I know nobody I guess if if she's repeating junior infants it's slightly different because everybody's going to be new and she can have that sense of well I I kind of know how it all works and I feel empowered by that but if it's an older class I would be definitely looking to make a connection with her and also to see if there's a play opportunity that she can have with the kids from her other class that she would have been friendly with so that she can have that for her a play piece that might feel like closure I just think it's very it's still very new information I know for some parents listening it might feel like our kids have been off school for months and months now but really (laughs) we're still in the few weeks of it so this is new give her time you do still have about I don't know five or six weeks before school is back so be patient with this but stay with her in her feelings yeah is it likely that even in junior infants they'd be held back by a year it really depends, you know, on on like it's if it's it likely at any year, it's likely in the first few years, you know, to do this. If, you know, she's not at a stage of development with her peers, I'm thinking the things that we'd expect from junior infants that they feel that she would benefit from another year just to catch up. She also may have gone in young. I think that, you know, the letter says she's very young and it may be that she just wasn't on par with kids who might have been a full year older than her going into school. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. I suppose because with kids in 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 at that age, is the kind of a you're still in the baby class kind of thing. That's probably and you see that might yeah, there might be a bit of I don't want to be in the baby class, and she's already been the youngest in her class. Mm. Now by doing this repeat year, that piece will be alleviated. She probably won't be the youngest in her class, and I think it might be something that the teacher who is taking her again by giving her a heads up look, she's really struggling with this repeating a year, might be able to give her a role in the class because she has experience and make her a helper, give her some tasks that she can be responsible for because she knows where certain things are kept in the classroom already. It could be, you know, small. That sounds so simple and small, but often the answer is in those simple, small changes. So taking some proactive actions like that, but do not rush her through these feelings. Just give her a lot of soothing comfort and containment. Let her know it's really good. You can share how you're feeling about this and I can help you through it. Mm. Is there any, because we don't know the specifics of the story, but during the summer, a lot of parents would, you know, if the kids are weak on reading or something, you know, they might get them a, a teacher in. Is there an argument for maybe doing that that might catch her up? You see, again, it depends on where the gaps are. I mean, absolutely. And usually the school report or whatever feedback form you get from your teacher at the end of the year will flag if there's something they want you to do over the summer. It may be, you know, work on 
coloring inside the lines, work on pencil grip, work on, you know, copying out letters and numbers. And it could be something more specific, like with reading. And I think, look, there's no harm that parents are involved in that in the summer anyway, but don't turn the summer into a mini summer school for kids. Mm, They really do need their break, um, no more than anyone does when they're on holidays. Um, But they really do need the time to play and exhale everything from school and to get that bit of space. So if you can do it in a way that you know you're already doing a bedtime story build the reading piece into that and if you're doing the writing make it fun and interesting to write postcards to people so that what they're writing on is a bit different to the copybook so try to mix it up and keep it playful and fresh and don't overdo the, the teaching in the summer either Our three-year-old loves her bedtime story, but no matter what the book is about, be it animals or humans, she's always very concerned about where the characters mummy and daddy are. She gets anxious if the parents don't feature in the story and won't allow us to continue reading until we provide a satisfactory answer. I'm concerned about this for two reasons. Firstly, I'm worried that what she may feel too attached to us and will be anxious in the future. Secondly, she's always looking for the mummy and daddy. I worry this is a very heteronormative view of the world that she has. How do we get her to see that lots of kids have two daddies or two mammies? I mean, look. She's only three. three. So, I mean... I feel like that could be the answer in itself. But also bear in mind that a three-year-old's frame of reference is her own family. That's Mm. her world. You are her world, your family, your home. So when she's reading a story, her frame of reference is, I have a mummy and daddy. Everyone should have a mummy and daddy. And I wouldn't be concerned about this kind of idea of too attached. It's really not a thing. You're either healthily attached or you're or you're not. And there's lots of subcategories and reasons around that. But I don't read this and think, oh, my goodness, that child is too attached or maybe clingy or anxious in her attachment because she's feeling safe with you. And she wants that for the characters in the story. (gasps) They're on their own. Oh, I would hate to be on my own. I Mm. want them to have a mummy and daddy like I do so they can feel like I do. I really think it's as simple as that. She actually sounds very empathic as as a little three-year-old that she's thinking about things in that way. So I love when you say she won't allow you to continue reading until you provide a satisfactory answer. (laughs) I really want you writing down those answers and going, what kind of backstories are you giving these characters? Because I do think that's what this is about. It's about saying to her, going, I don't know where their mummy and daddy is. Where might they be? Where do you think they are? Here's where I think they are. Maybe they're doing the shopping. Maybe they're at work. Maybe this character is a bit grown up and has their own house or they're staying with grandparents. You could really have fun with that and just make up stories. The, the second part of this, though, it's, you know, how do we kind of not lean into this heteronormative view of the world? Honestly, she's going to take her views at this stage from you. So my question back to you is, well, what are you doing to integrate more diversity into the play, into her books, into her toys and really paying attention to that? Like you could do she's three. You could do little story play. And when you're playing out with her little characters, her little dinos or dollies or whatever it is that she's playing with, that you bring in aspects. Now, don't be like performer of the year. And it sounds really contrived when you're doing it. But you bring in, you know, single parent families, same sex parent families, um, you know, blended families, you bring in all kinds of family formation into the play in a very natural way. And of course, there are books shown, of course, there are that would help, Mm. you know, anyone begin this, this process. There's a lovely book by Molly Potter, she who writes many lovely books about 
things that can be tricky to talk about. Um, the same but different. And it's actually really nice. It's very broad about diversity now, but it includes family reference as well. There's another one by um, Adam and Charlotte Gillen, and it's called My Big my Big Fantastic Family. I think that's the name of it. I'm just thinking of it now. My Big Fantastic Family. And it really talks about this uh, little character adjusting to and enjoying the, the excitement of this big blended family. Um, of course, Osborne have the All About Families, which has every kind of family formation you could think of included in there. And Sophie Hen has a book called All Kinds of Families. So those books, I mean, you'd get some, whatever platform you prefer to buy on, but you would get them a couple from Genius Juniors, you would, um, which is a lovely website selling children's books. You would also get some of them from your local bookstores um, as well. So they're they're easily accessed books. They're not tricky titles to get your hand on. Uh, but bringing in a few books, being very mindful about playing parent and child, what way that sounds in play, and just gently bringing these references in. But honestly, as her world gets bigger than you, and she's exposed to other influences and introduced to other family formations other than yours, she will naturally grow into mm. that. So I wouldn't be overly worried. Joanna, rock a sense as ever. Uh, thanks a million. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm. With Anna Glaze. On News Talk.